accepting sex work as work wasn't an easy journey for me. I had spent four years in the sex industry in the mid to late 90s. And when I squared up, oh, Lord have mercy, I squared up hard. I squared up so hard because, <laughs> well, part of what the sex industry taught me was how to be a chameleon, become someone new, to change my identity. I lived under a different name for four and a half years, and so I knew very quickly and very easily how to just become someone else. And when I was done being a sex worker, I was done. I squared up and leaned into my privilege, the way I look. I got a different car, I changed my attitude, the way I wore clothes, and I was also very suddenly a mother. And more than anything, what I wanted was to break the generational cycles, to change the things that I saw in the world, but I knew that first I needed to change the things in myself. And so I went to religion because that is what so many people do when they're broken and they're hurting and they they want a better way and what was in my path was christianity non-denominational jesus freak christianity that's that was the shit in the early 2000s that was the way that everyone it was it was all the rage everyone was receiving healing that way and it seemed like such a good fit because even Rahab, you know, the harlot, the one who had that title for all time and eternity, she was in the lineage of Jesus. And I could resemble that. I could feel it. But I didn't fit in with mainstream churches. I tried um, biker churches and churches where there were lots of addicts represented. And I found peace. I found peace along the way, but I never took the time to really undo the shame. And locked in that shame was all of these amazing, badass, superhuman skills that I learned in the industry, but I couldn't access them because of that shame. So hi, y'all. My name is Jess Rich. I am the author of Surviving Trafficking and the Anti-Trafficking Movement. I am the founder of Storytelling for Profit. I am a mother to five amazing, remarkable humans who are currently 11 to 21. I am a free spirit and a traveler, and my Gemini journey has gifted me with so many plot twists and turns. And while this podcast is designed to be a business podcast, showcasing the amazing entrepreneurial spirit of whores and hustlers, people who have refined their skills on the outskirts of mainstream society, I realized that without sharing my own journey, my own transformation from being a conservative Jesus freak to actually knowing and believing 
that sex work is work. And that if we want to change the world, we need to remove the stigma that keeps so many of us locked and hidden from our gifts because we learned those gifts and those skills in unconventional ways. And yet those are the things that make us brilliant. So the first 12 episodes of this podcast are going to be me sharing my journey and the epiphanies and breakthroughs that I learned along the way on how I went from one thing to another thing and learn to use my voice and go deeper into my story and find healing that I didn't even know was possible. So I'm going to invite you on this journey. Subscribe, follow along. When you feel led, please leave reviews because that is what makes this podcast grow. And don't forget to share it with your friends. <laughs> because I'm telling you, those closest friends that you have, they are the ones that will help you because this journey is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. But I'm telling you, it is so much fucking fun. And so carry on, my friend. Let's go. Of those four years that I spent in the sex industry, I got my introduction by way of a pimp. And he asked me a question that has forever been burned in my brain. He said, if you're already having sex, why wouldn't you want to get paid? Now, at the time, I had just turned 17 and I was working in a restaurant, the early morning opening shift, you know, pouring coffee for two bucks an hour and hoping for quarters, you know, that's how the small waffle houses work. Hoping you get a couple quarters next to the coffee, coffee cup when they leave. And it just wasn't a way to sustain life. And I could see that. So when he asked me that question, when he said, if you're already having sex, why wouldn't you want to get paid? It, it was like a light bulb moment in my head. I was like, you can get paid for that shit? And at the time, like Pretty Woman had, the movie had come out and it was like, of course you can get paid for that. And Snoop Dogg was doing his thing and, oh, the rap of the 90s was just the shit. And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. I didn't understand that when I gave him money that first time I was choosing. And when I was choosing, I was giving up my freedom. And... I lived the lifestyle of that's glamorized, the pimps and hoes. He was an old school pimp, you know, red suits, blue suits, canes and fur coats and oh, that beautiful champagne colored Cadillac and cell phones in the 90s. That was a really big deal. And it was glamorous. But it wasn't long before I realized I couldn't leave. And I had to do what he told me to do. 
And I didn't have freedom to do what I desired. I had to do what he told me to do. And it was actually a sex worker who helped me escape. It was really quite ironic. <laughs> this was before GPS trackers, so we couldn't see where I was. I was hiding in a law library. I was buying myself time, doling money out to him little bits throughout the day, and I was studying the laws of why the sex industry worked the way it did. And what, what happened was I started experimenting. I started experimenting with the laws and in doing so, one of the escort services that I worked for, the gal who ran it, who was an independent sex worker, she was like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? How are you getting the money and not breaking the laws? And I took one of the biggest risks of my life and I told her. And we made a deal. I would help her rebuild her escort service because she was facing like life in prison. She had had two strikes, one more strike, and she was done. And I needed to get away from this pimp. And so we made a deal. And she hid me. And I worked for her. And together we built this amazing, epic escort service. By this time, I'm 18 years old and I'm living the life. Like I'm realizing that one, you only need so much money to live. Because once you hit about twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month, like you can only spend so much and still enjoy the money that you're making. And so I lost money as a motivator. My motivator became joy. It became happiness. I started chasing experiences. I started chasing the life that not even my clients had. So many of my clients had plenty of money, big houses, wife and two kids, and yet they weren't happy. And I started to ask why. Why were they not happy? And I went deep into my own life and my own story. But after a few years, I found myself pregnant. And that pregnancy forever changed my life. Because there was something in me that said, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I want to change the generational cycles that existed. I want to remove the pain and give this child something that I didn't have the opportunity to have. And in one day, I quit doing drugs and I'm telling you, morning sickness and drug withdrawals were more painful than having my face smashed in. It was the most excruciating thing I've ever done. And yet when she was born, I knew that I had made the right decision. And yet I was broken. I was broken and fucked up. And really, the only thing I wanted in my life was justice. The pain that I had experienced from being trafficked overshadowed all of the gifts. The pain was so excruciating, I didn't know how to see past the trauma. So deep in my heart, 
I hid my deepest, deepest desire. And that was to become a serial killer. God, it sounds crazy looking back. But to me, it was the only way to achieve justice for all the hurt. Never mind the thousands of people that blessed me along the way. I could only see the pain. Which makes sense as to why I chose Jesus. Because Christianity offered hope. And it offered an enemy. An enemy outside of myself. An enemy that was at war with the pain, with the hurt, with the trauma that I experienced. Now, I found a lot of freedom in Christianity because I've discovered forgiveness and I learned how to remove the bitterness. But the deeper I went, the more I hid those experiences in the industry. I couldn't deal with the shame. There was a time when my second child was about a year old. I had been married for probably about two years and I locked myself in the bathroom because that's what any self-respecting parent does when they're losing their shit. <laughs> they lock themselves in the bathroom until the hot water tank is empty numerous times. And on this day, I knew I needed to come clean. I needed to tell Reed, my husband, that I had been a prostitute and that I had lied. And as I told him, standing in a towel at the top of the stairs, soaking wet. He wrapped his long arms around me and he hugged me. And he said, I already knew and I loved you anyway. And that was a type of acceptance that I had never experienced. And it gave me permission to go deep into the sexual trauma, to go deep into that pain that locked me up. And as I started to share with small groups, with different people, I still omitted the part of being trafficked because I didn't have words for it. I didn't know how to express it. Trafficking wasn't even a word in like 05, 06, 07. It was something that nobody was talking about, truly nobody. So I walked through all of this healing, taking ownership for my experiences, which honestly was one of the biggest gifts. Because that extreme ownership of even the things that happened to me that weren't my fault enabled me to see a larger perspective and deeply, deeply forgive but I also really scared people. <laughs> oh, the small groups were crazy. 
even when I just started talking about my young sexual abuse. Within a Christian context, it was more raw and more authentic than most people could handle. And yet, speaking my truth gave me freedom. And the more I studied the biblical context of what being a whore is, the more I saw that there was freedom from the Bible, but not from the people who call themselves Christians. And it was the judgment from Christians that pushed me into hiding more and more. And yet I could taste the freedom of healing. But I still had an enemy. It was the buyers. It was the pimps. It was society. It was the culture. I had to wage war against something because I was angry that we couldn't talk about the sex industry. We couldn't talk about the nuances. We couldn't talk about the, the things we learned. And really, I think I was most angry that I didn't know how to attribute the amazing skills to any source besides the sex industry. And that meant I struggled to find my purpose. I struggled to find my voice. And I was always locked in this prison of my own privilege. I didn't know how to tell my stories without staring stigma dead in the face. In 2009, my mom, Reed, my husband, and I were running a business who was called Money Maniac. It was an online couponing system designed to help people save 90% on everything they bought. My mom always said, if you're one step ahead of the curve, you're brilliant. If you're two steps, you're insane. My entire life, I have always, always been insane. Teaching couponing, having an online course, having sales funnels. Back in 09, that was almost unheard of. And yet it appealed to me. It appealed to me deeply because when I saw a digital camera and a website for the first time all the way back in 1998, it was when <laughs> I was at a photo shoot for the escort service that I was working with and I saw them take a picture of me and immediately without a Polaroid, I was able to see me. It was the most mind-blowing experience. And then they took the pictures and they put them on the internet. And then clients could just see it on the internet. 
and would call the service and would book us. It was profound. It was brilliant. And so when I was introduced to online courses in 09 and online education, it was like, oh my God, this is perfect. And it's so easy. I, I love this stuff. But I was running this business and had just launched it. But I had already been doing a lot of work within the community. I was really connected to the local chamber of commerce and I loved networking. And I loved being helpful in the community. I loved serving others. And I was a part of a nonprofit organization called Seroptimist. It's for women who are in management level or above CEOs. And it's a way of building community and giving back. It's a volunteer organization. And my model of healing had always been about doing the deep internal work and then aligning myself, placing myself around mentors who were 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years older than me. Because from them, I could learn the wisdom that could change my life. And so I was at this conference, was a district meeting, and the luncheon speaker, ah, I need to paint the picture. There's 200 women in this room, all of us in suits, in this beautiful hotel for our district meeting. And we are eating delicious turkey croissant sandwiches with chips and cranberry sauce. And the luncheon speaker is speaking of trafficking. And I'd never heard the word before. And as he spoke, I realized that I qualified on every single point. In fact, I had been trafficked in the hotel we were sitting in like eight years prior. And I bit my tongue because I didn't know how to reconcile what I was hearing with what I was doing and who I was today, I had hidden so well. I had squared up so hard that I couldn't see that the reason I was living that experience right then was because of my experiences in the industry. I had the wisdom and the knowledge because of being trafficked, because of entering the industry, but I still couldn't see it because all I could see was the pain and the trauma from being beaten, being used, being sold and selling myself. When I went home that night, mom, Reed and I sat at the kitchen table and I was like, y'all, I got to tell you something. We need to talk about this because they knew. They knew about Martin, my pimp. They knew about all the stuff that I had done. But we had never been able to put a word to it. The conversation that we had that night radically changed my life forever. 
I made the decision to go public. To allow myself to be vulnerable to the world. To say, yeah, it was me. Yeah, I was one of them. I didn't feel ready. And there was no book on how to tell the worst parts of your life. So I started speaking. And I started asking questions, endless questions. And I started to go deeper. Honestly, this was where some of the worst spiritual abuse I've ever experienced started. We were very active in our church. It was a good-sized church. Our pastors had all written famous books. We were involved. We taught groups. Our children were in the child care. We knew lots of people. We had been there for a number of years. And when I decided to share, when my family decided that they would support me as I shared, we sent an email to the pastor who we knew so well, asking for prayer support. And they never responded. So I sent the email again to everyone on staff. And no one responded. And I called the secretary whom I knew. And she said, I don't know why they're not responding. But I knew. I knew. It was the stigma. It was the shame. It was not being able to face their own projections. So we left that church. What happened next was more than I or anyone could imagine. Within two months, my mom suddenly became very ill and she passed away within 17 days of the first sign of her illness. This threw me into one of the most manic, action-filled, frantic times of my life. where I asked a million questions and did a ton of research, just trying to figure out why the world works the way it does. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey through my very first podcast episode. I am excited and delighted to share my story with you on the transformation that has become my life and the freedom that I have found from sharing my stories and sharing my gifts with the world. I truly believe that no one is going to save us. 
We must become our own damn hero, but it is a whole lot more fun to do together. So thank you for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful, badass day.